Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your day as much as I am enjoying my day currently right now. In today's podcast, we're going to first be talking a little bit about Joe Biden and how he met with federal chairman uh, Jay Powell and how I guess he's trying to figure out how to fight inflation with some interesting comments from Janet Yellen and also with talks on the street currently right now with Build Back Better. That's all in one current segment that we'll talk about in this podcast. We're then also going to be talking about how some Americans are delaying retirement. And finally, we got to dive a little bit more into the oil talk that we had yesterday about Russia. And I think this is going to help us get a better understanding of what's happening in Europe because we did talk, like I said, we did talk about the oil in uh, Russia yesterday and where Russia is currently exporting its oil to currently right now. So with that being said, as always, guys, before we begin this podcast, I have to remind you all, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is news-related and is for entertainment purposes only. You need to go talk to your own professional advisor before making any financial decisions as they understand your financial situation a lot better than I do currently. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. From From ABC News, Biden says inflation is top priority after meeting with Fed Chair Jerome Powell. Now, yesterday it was mentioned that on CNBC at the lunch halftime report that he was planning to meet with him, and he finally did. It says here from Washington, from ABC News, President Joe Biden met on Tuesday with Federal Reserve Jerome Powell to discuss the administration's plan to combat high inflation, which Biden has said has become his top domestic priority. Biden said the Federal Reserve would play a key role in bringing down the highest inflation rates in decades, but that he wouldn't interfere with the with their critically important work. Quote, my plan is to address the inflation starts with the simple proposition, respect the Fed, respect the Fed's independence, which I have done and will continue to do. Biden told reporters during the meeting with Powell, who was confirmed this month to a second term as the Fed chair. Ahead of the meeting, the White House said Biden planned to speak with Powell about the state of the American and global economy and the president's top economic priority addressing inflation as we transition from historic economic recovery to stable, steady growth that works for working families. Biden's meeting with Powell in the Oval Office came as he wrestles with low approval ratings and criticism from Republicans who blame him for the economic troubles. The president, however, has pointed to the war of Ukraine, supply chain supply chain issues for rising prices for gas and other necessities. The meeting also took place about five months before November's midterm election, as voters say inflation and the economy are their top concerns. It's finally good to see that people are realizing that the economy and inflation are the top current uh, concerns right now. I've been wondering when this would actually happen, and now just seems like it's finally going to happen. But it's also interesting, too, because... Janet Yellen has also been talking about this as well in the Financial Times. And she says, Janet Yellen admits she was wrong about inflation threat. Janet Yellen, the U.S. Treasury Secretary, conceded she was wrong last year about the threat posed by rising inflation while insisting that Joe Biden's administration has quickly focused on taming soaring prices. No, they haven't. I mean, why would he be meeting with Jerome Powell Powell if, if they had? Quote, I think I was wrong then about the path that inflation would take, Yellen told CNN on Tuesday in a rare admission of error from senior U.S. official. Quote, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks and have affected our economy badly. That I didn't at the time didn't fully understand, but we recognize that now, she added. 
Yellen's remarks came after she attended a meeting at the White House during which Biden told Jay Powell, chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve, that he would respect the independence of central banks as it moved to tighten monetary policy, effectively giving it its green light to fight inflation with sharper, higher interest rates. As with many private forecasters and the Fed itself, Yellen and the White House economics believe the inflation spike of 2021 was related to the rapid recovery triggered by the first round of COVID-19 vaccine vaccinations and would fade relatively quickly. It has instead persisted and even worsened in the wake of the Russian attack on Ukraine. A U.S. Treasury spokesman said Yellen was pointing out that there have been economic shocks which couldn't have been foreseen 18 months ago. As she also noted, there have been historic growth and record job creation, and our goal is to now transition to steady and stable growth as inflation is brought down, the spokesperson added. That almost sounds the exact same quote that Joe Biden said. So they're virtually just quoting Biden, not a spokesperson. Biden met with Powell at the White House for the first time since um, renominating the Fed chair to a second term, a sign of the president's growing concern about high inflation and his threat is posing to the economic recovery. Okay. I, I honestly don't think they have a plan currently right now, okay? Because it's also being reported from CNBC currently right now, and, and obviously I believe The Hill as well, which we got our article for about this. And The Hill article is actually from January, but CNBC was reporting the same thing yesterday as well when they were saying that Biden was meeting with Jerome Powell. And it says, from The Hill from January, build back smaller. What's the best path forward for Democrats? Yep, the build back better plan is apparently back on the table. Okay, we'll cover. We'll talk about this a little bit from The Hill, and then I'll talk about what CNBC had talked about. It says the stalling of President Joe Biden's build back better agenda has left Democrats scrambling for ideas to get some programs in place before the 2022 midterm elections. Inflation has proven to be less transitory than the administration had anticipated and the American people are in need of some economic support. Failure to deliver could already could make an already difficult election cycle even worse for Democrats. The strategy to, to pass Build Back Better as one enormous recollational bill ran into seeming, seemingly immovable object of Senator Joe Manchin. Manchin has signaled opposition to various aspects of the bill and that any future negotiations would have, be, would have to begin from scratch. So what's the next pass forward? A renegotiation, smaller regulation bill, build back smaller, or a legislative strategy to pass the most popular aspect of the agenda in chunks. The answer is to do both. And then they go into details on why. Okay. Now, build back better, I guess, with the what they're talking about in the smaller bill is to pass the bills that have to do with healthcare, climate change issues that they're facing, and I think a few other things too. But what I found interesting from CNBC when they were reporting, and I, I noticed that they had talked about this during CNBC at least earlier in the day, and they didn't seem to talk about this as soon as the American people were getting out of work, okay? They had mentioned in the interview on CNBC when they were talking about Joe Biden meeting with Jerome Powell and also with the potential high inflation that potentially this could increase taxes, okay? Now, they didn't go into full detail on who would receive these tax increases. They didn't say if it was going to be businesses or the high net worth income earners or even the average American. But at the end of the day, they are already talking about increasing taxes, I guess, to fight the high inflation so that they don't have to raise interest rates as much um, from the Federal Reserve side. It's, it's ridiculous. 
if, if you if they seriously think raising taxes on the American people is the best idea, that's not going to be good at the end of the day. I mean, most Americans. I mean, th- then they're also mentioning too on CNBC too that it would that it would be slow economic growth. Okay, that sounds like if we're having slow economic growth, that sounds like a recession potentially. And American people are not going to be too happy with that. Okay. It seems like right now there's no answers really on what they need to do. Okay. Build back better is not going to be the answer. It seems like Joe Biden's meeting with Jerome Powell to fight inflation and, but there he's going to allow them to keep having their independence. So does the federal reserve not work for anyone then? At the same time, Janet Yellen's admitting she was wrong. These people don't know what they're doing currently right now. And everything they're doing is affecting the market in some way, shape, or form. Now, whether people are going to pay attention to it, some people are. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're watching these things. But it just seems like these people have no idea what they're doing. And things will might get worse if they... I mean, think about it. If you increase taxes... Did you think people are going to enjoy having to pay more taxes? They, they claim it's for upper people and potentially businesses. But, but at the end of the day, it would eventually go to everyone at some point. Don't know when. Because this Build Back Smaller Agenda 2 would also allow it to spread out the cost, I guess, that they're saying. So instead of being within a short time frame, it would be over years. I mean, who wants to pay for that for years to come? These people don't know what they're doing, it seems like. It's disgusting. Need to keep paying attention to this people because stuff like this is just going to keep getting worse potentially. Now on to the next article. 25% of Americans are delaying retirement due to inflation survey fines. Hmm. Retirement's being stalled. Interesting. Americans' finances are being squeezed as inflation pushes up prices on things such as rent, groceries, and gasoline. As a result, one quarter of Americans will have to delay their retirement, according to BMO Real Financial Progress Index, a quarterly survey conducted between March 30th and April 25th. Putting off retirement is retirement plans is mostly due to disruptive savings and increased prices, the survey found. 36% of survey respondents have reduced their savings and put and 21% are putting less for retirement in order to keep up with growing costs, according to the survey. That's sad. That, that, that's just sad if you think about it. Quote, we have seen this level of inflation. We haven't, sorry, I said that wrong. Quote, we haven't seen this level of inflation in a very long time. It is very daunting, said Paul Dildad, head of consumer strategy at BMO Harris Bank. He added that many people in or near retirement may not have considered this surge in prices in their financial plans, which have thrown off their budgets and timelines as well. Time horizons. Younger Americans who have have been the most adversely affected, more than 60% of those of ages 18 to 34, said they had to pull back saving contributions to make up for rising costs of necessities. In addition to grappling with higher prices on nearly all goods and services, Americans are facing the volatile stock market that may have also contributed to shifting retirement timelines. So far this year, the S&P 500 has shed more than 12%, a stark contrast from the previous year's gains. Quote, it's difficult to save, and these times are making it even more difficult, said uh, Dilda. And seeking financial advice. The good news is that people are actively making changes to their budgets to combat rising prices. That includes changing how how they shop for groceries, 
what subscriptions they pay for each month, and even how they vacation for the time being, the survey found. Americans are also planning more than they were before inflation spiked, according to the report. This quarter, more Americans are seeing yearly budgets, writing down financial plan to follow and meeting with their financial advisors monthly. I'm glad to see they're not mentioning the fact that people are having to tap into credit cards in this article because we've talked about that in the past and past podcasts, but they are tapping into their savings and people aren't able to save as much now. The purpose of a savings fund, emergency savings fund is for days like this. Okay. And I just, it's just mind boggling to me that people are letting this happen potentially. Okay. I've said this in the past, what you vote for eventually leads to the the market. And this podcast, we talk about the market a lot. And I hate talking a little bit about politics sometimes, but sometimes we have to talk about it because it's a slow news week and there's not a much on earnings calls that are coming out or there's not big news happening on Wall Street with certain companies. And so these are things that we have to talk about is how Americans get affected by the market. I mean, like we just talked about Joe Biden a little bit earlier in this podcast, but what you vote for eventually leads to your economic situation as well. And I mean, just just looking at this right now, okay? There's a chart that they show in this article. It says what Americans are changing to compact inflation. So 46% say they're dining out less. They're 42% on grocery shopping. Driving less is 31%. Canceling, spending less on vacations and cutting subscription is 22%. Oh, I forgot. Canceling, suspending less on vacation is 23%. Driving less is 31%. Cutting subscriptions is 22%. Okay. I mean, it's it's good that people are cutting back on things, but at the end of the day, it's it might not make a difference at all for these people. I mean, sure, you can cut subscriptions. And we've talked about this with Netflix in the past. If you're paying $14.99 a month for a Netflix subscription, at least if I remember those numbers correctly, what you say 15 bucks a month 15 bucks doesn't go that far that well for most things now but i guess it's a start i mean 15 times 10 months is about 150 add about 30 more dollars and you're looking at 180 dollars saved and how much does inflation eat away at that don't know i don't know how much you can cut on grocery shopping you need to eat Dining out less, that's going to be an issue potentially for those restaurants. That means, I mean, they already have thin profit margins, so that's going to be effective. So pay attention to these people. Got to know what's going on if you want to make decisions. Finally, we got to talk about the oil and gas from Russia. Oil and gas from CNBC. Oil prices jump after EU leaders agree to ban most Russian crude imports. Okay. Oil prices surged on Tuesday after EU leaders reached an agreement to ban 90% of Russian crude by the end of the year. However, prices reversed course around 2 p.m. Eastern Time Tuesday, following the report from Wall from the Wall Street Journal that OPEC is considering suspending Russia from its group's output agreement. "Quote: It is certainly, it is a certainly fa- facilitated an earlier end to the current production agreement and a Saudi UAE ramp up," said. Himala Croft, Managing Director of Head of Global Community Strategy at RBC. However, in most cases, it is actually stress producer that I've, sorry. However, in most cases, it is actually stress producer that have asked for the exemption. 
An involuntary exemption might mean the breakup of OPEC plus, she added. I doubt OPEC plus is going to break up. U.S. crude futures ended the day 40 cents or 0.35% lower at $114.67 per barrel. Earlier in the session, it's traded at the high of $119.43, a price last seen in early March. Brent crude futures last traded 1% higher at $112.84 per barrel. Oil jumped earlier in the session, came after the EU's agreement on an oil embargo. Following weeks of deadlock after Hungary initially held up talks, Hungary is a major user of Russian oil and its leader, Viktor Orban, has been on friendly terms with Russia's Vladimir Putin. Charles Michael, president of European Council, said the move would immediately hit 75% of Russia oil imports. Interesting how Hungary was the one that was holding them back. It also makes me wonder if Hungary is reliant on Russian oil because they probably don't have any other alternative energies in their country. I feel sorry for you people in the in the country of Hungary. You might potentially be facing your own version of a crisis soon. So, the embargo is part of the European Union's sixth sanction package on Russia since the since it invaded Ukraine. Talks to impose an oil embargo have underway since the start of the month. Now, this is interesting because there was another article that came out from CNBC, and it's talking about pretty much more oil stuff, too. It says here, Russia hits back at EU's partial oil embargo, says it will find other importers for its crude. From CNBC, Moscow has pledged to find another importers for its oil shortly after the world's largest trade bloc agreed to impose partial embargo on Russia crude. The European Union on Monday decided to ban most Russian oil imports by the end of the year as part of its new measure designed to punish the Kremlin over its unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. The move was hauled by EU foreign policy chief Joseph Borrell as a landmark decision to cripple Russian President Vladimir Putin's war machine. It covers oil brought into the block by sea, with the exception carved out for imports d- delivered by pipeline following opposition from Hungary. So it sounds like that Hungary is going to still get it through a pipeline potentially. The EU long delayed six package of sanctions against Russia required approval from all 27 member states and has yet to be formally ratified. Responding to the measures, uh, Russia's permanent representative to an international organizations in Vienna said that oil ban reflects the n- negative on the block. Quote, as she rightly said yesterday, Russia will find other importers uh, via this is from a via Twitter quote referring specifically to European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. I'm sorry if I'm saying these names wrong. The Commission is the executive body of the EU. Quote noteworthy that now she is now she contradicts her own yesterday statement. Very quickly change on the mindset indicates that the EU is not in good shape. He added. Okay, we we talked about this a little bit yesterday. China is going to keep buying oil from Russia. We reported that yesterday in this podcast. Not only that, but India is still going to be buying oil from Russia. And in fact, currently right now, if I remember from what we had read, India is buying up a lot of oil from Russia because it's super cheap to get it from Russia. I mean, we it, somewhere in one of these two articles that we we're just finished reading about a little bit, there's more into these articles, but we're not going to get into the full in-depth details but it, I'm, oh, here it is. Actually, it says Russia is the world's third largest oil producer behind the United States and Saudi Arabia and the world's largest exporter of crude to global markets. It is also a major 
producer and exporter of natural gas. Okay. Russia's number three. And apparently the United States is up there, which I have a hard time believing since we are trying to go away from it. And we, I mean, we shut down the pi- the pipeline that was from, I think was it Canada, I think earlier when Joe Biden started his presidency, Keystone Pipeline, that's what it was. We shut down Keystone Pipeline. I mean, and we're not using as much federal land to pump as much oil. So I don't know how we're up there currently right now, but Russia is obviously up there and obviously Saudi Arabia with OPEC. I mean, India is just going to keep buying from Russia. If anything, it's not the Europe side you need to be focusing on. You need to focus on the India and China side. And neither one of those countries are going to stop importing oil potentially from Russia because they have a demand for energy within their country. What the most of the world's population is in those two countries alone. I don't think they want to do with riots in the streets if there's not enough energy for their people. So, I mean, it's just going to keep happening whether we like it or not. Oil prices jumped on Tuesday afternoon. International benchmark brute crude rose 1.5%, which we just talked about earlier. Oh, sometimes these politicians have no idea what they're doing and they're just affecting us in every way, shape, or form. But here is the last thing we need to talk about with oil. And I'm wondering how how well tied it is to what's happening, what Russia said about how they're going to find other people. But then this came out too. It says Russia widens European gas cuts and halts Dutch, Danish, Danish, and German contracts. From Rudders, Russia widened its gas cuts to Europe on Tuesday with Gazprom saying it will turn off supply to several unfriendly countries which have refused to accept Moscow's rubles for rubles for gas payment scheme. The move by Russia gas giant is the latest retaliation to Western sanctions imposed on Moscow following its February 24th invasion of Ukraine, escalating its economic battle with Brussels and pushing up European gas prices. Gazprom said on Tuesday it has it has fully cut off gas supplies to Dutch gas trader Gasterra. It later said it would also stop as of June 1st gas flows to Denmark, um, Ors, and the Shell Energy for its contract on gas supplies to Germany after both failed to make payments in rubles. The announcement followed Monday's agreement by European Union leaders to cut the European Union's imports of Russia oil by 90% by the end of the year. The bloc's toughest yet response to the invasion. So they're saying no supply threat, no threat to supply. Gas Terra, which buys and trades gas on behalf of the Dutch government, said it has contracts elsewhere for the 2 billion crude metrics, or BCM, of gas is expected to receive from Gazprom through October. This is not seen as a threat to supplies, said Economy Eris Affairs Ministry spokesperson Peter Ten. I'm not going to bother pronouncing that last name. Um, Orsted, which also said there was no immediate risk to Denmark's gas supply, said on Tuesday it would turn to Europe gas market to fill the gap. Where in Europe is the gas coming from? Literally, it, didn't we read or know that Russia is, has a monopoly in Europe? I could be wrong on that. Or maybe I'm just hearing that from other reports that I listen to sometimes. But where's this other oil going to come from? Is it going to come from BP oil from the from the British? I mean, where's this oil going to come from? They don't even say where it's going to come from. Quote, the gas for Denmark must be large extent to be purchased on European gas market. We expect this to be possible. Oh my gosh. While the market was largely expecting both companies to cut off this development, 
will make the supply demand balance that much tighter. Russia gas flows to Germany via the Nord Stream pipeline fell on Tuesday, which analysis said was likely due to the Netherlands being cut off. Moscow has already stopped natural gas supplies to Bulgaria, Poland, and Finland. Why Finland and Poland? Oh, wait, that's right. Never mind. Wait, why would they cut gas supplies to Bulgaria? Or am I thinking? No, I'm thinking Belarus. My bad. Moscow has already stopped natural gas supplies to Bulgaria, Poland, and Finland, citing the refusal to pay the Russian rubles, a demand made in response to Western sanctions that have isolated Russia. Now they're saying the storage. Europe has been rushing to fill its gas storage sites ahead of a winter wary of Russia's supply cuts, which typically provides about around 40% of Europe gas. Dutch gas storage is now around 37% full. Data from Gas Infrastructure Europe showed the Dutch government last week said it would be increased subsidies to 406 million euros to encourage companies to file, no, correction, to fill the Bergermer facility, one of the largest open access gas storage facilities in Europe. Danish gas storages are currently 55% full, which will be able to supply all Danish and Swedish gas customers for five months if supplies from Germany get cut off. A letter from the Danish Energy Ministry, Dan Jorgensen, to Parliament showed. Okay, so they can last five months. So we're in month June now. So July, August, September, October, November. Hopefully this gets settled soon. Or else Europe, you're going to be facing a potential cold winter in the making. Unless they decide to use other alternative energies like, I don't know, let's say coal. Or maybe they use nuclear. Or maybe uh, they just realize we need more oil. Good thing they're trying to get more oil from Africa. But what happens when Africa has their issues with food currently right now? Remember, we did talk about how uh, one of the African nations was spending about 40% of their income on food currently right now. And the Middle East is predicting that there would be a food crisis within the Middle East and parts of Africa. So what's going to happen in Europe? If these price controls don't get under control and Africa falls into chaos. These are questions that need to be asked in all seriousness. If, if Africa, parts of Africa go into chaos, what's going to happen to Europe? Five months, November. And that's when it seems like oil and gas would start becoming an issue in those countries. Better start preparing people. Not saying it's going to happen, but if it does, I mean... It's going to be chaos out there, potentially. Keep an eye out for markets, guys. Got to always pay attention to know what's going on, what's happening in the world. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I ask that if you did enjoy it, that you please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription we get can help grow our podcast so we can continue to keep talking about events that are happening in the markets around the world and obviously sometimes political stuff with the markets as well because those two are, tend to be intertwined. With that being said, guys, please also share this with friends and family because it will also help grow the podcast if you think friends or family would enjoy listening to this as well. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.